Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of all elite wrestling. This is Aubrey Edwards, referee, podcast co-host, and then Tony Schiavone, my no, lovely... No, 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 I gotta cut you off right now. What the fuck? First of all, sorry to interrupt Brody Brody Lee's whole interview. I'm sure he's a nice guy for a cult leader, but that's not what I'm here for, okay? This podcast has been going on for a year now, and you have yet to invite the youngest and fastest rising star in the history of professional wrestling. You have yet to invite... The undefeated, undisputed, uncrowned AEW world champion of all wrestling. Nobody else talk. And you know what? I'm sick of Get that baby out of here. Get that baby out of here right now. I'm out. This is bull crap. Shivani, I'm about to go to a gym. Somebody never see the inside of. I I think it's you don't know a guy named Jim, but I'll take care of that from (laughs) JF. Well, oh my God. Uh, Not really expecting that. At all. Let me get let me get this right. I get invited in at twelve o'clock sharp. Right. You guys are late, and then MJF cuts me off. That's about the size of it in the podcasting okay. world. Yeah. <laughs> just make, just making sure I got the whole uh, the whole story. All right. So a little bit about what we're doing here today, since we're already off off the rails. <laughs> As MJF uh, wonderfully said, uh, we've. It's it's been a year. We're actually recording this on the one year anniversary of Dynamite, which is crazy. Right. So because of that, we're going to do something a little different. We're having all of our current champions on talk a little bit about their favorite moments of all wrestling, Dynamite pay-per-views, title defenses, all that fun stuff. So we'll have John Moxley. We'll have FTR. We'll have Hikaru Shida. And today we're starting with current TNT champion, Mr. Brody Lee. Very nice. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. It's been. I also haven't gotten the invite to be on this show, despite you have being not. in the company now, now six months. So I might have a gripe as well. Well, you're gonna have to take that up with Stacy. That's not my problem. Yeah. Oh, Stacy, I'll take it up with you then. <laughs> We'd also like to uh, welcome everyone to the wrestler bitch session that we obviously are having here <laughs> on our podcast. <laughs> Mrs. Tony, Tony, you of all people. You're you're on my team. You advise, you advise me of things that I would never think of. You you are you are a mentor to me. Yeah. Okay. To, to bring cut me down like that. I was talking about MJF. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no problem then. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. Hey, so uh, uh, Brody, you're the TNT champion. Uh, what yes, is uh, be, what is being the champion? And I know you've had championships before. Yep. What does the championship mean to you? This this one is is extra special. It came at a time after I decided to bet on myself, and um, I feel like I've proven something now, not only to myself but to everyone that doubted me, uh, maybe around the world in professional wrestling. And so this one's very very special to me. So pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. You defeated Cody in an awesome match where he got zero offense. Fantastic. Zero. 
He got a couple, couple punches, but I didn't really feel him. He got, he got a couple, whatever. <laughs> no sell that shit. So how did that storyline come together with the whole Nightmare family? What was the original plan? I believe that the original plan was for me to not become TNT champion. I, I don't know how. I, I kind of am not privy to the ins and outs of the nuts and bolts of it all. Probably because I don't want to be because... If I get a thought in my head, I become quickly married to it. And then if something changes, I go insane. So I try not to know too much well, that's terrible in uh, wrestling. About, about what's supposed to happen uh, and, and kind of just live in the moment. Yeah, yeah. I learned my, my lessons the hard way for over many, many years. So I try to stay pretty level-headed and, and not get too much information and then, you know, take things on as they are presented to me. And the match itself was presented to me like a week or two before it even happened so I just kind of wanted to train, look the part, and then, you know, do whatever was asked of me. Your arrival here, Brody, in AEW as the Exalted One was something that had been talked about for quite a while. And they, they kept saying the Exalted One is arriving, and you come in and completely turn the Dark Order around. Talk about uh, the the inception of you as the Exalted One of the Dark Order and, and how uh, how excited you were to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I was excited to be a part of, of, of AEW in, in literally any capacity after leaving WWE. I've been watching it. I've, I watched one year ago today. I was, I was at home on my couch watching, excited. I had so many friends and so many people that, as in the same way, had bet on themselves. And now they have a national wrestling company on a cable television network that is uberly successful. So just to be a part of it in any capacity was going to be awesome to me. Then to be asked to be a leader of this giant group with tons of talent already in it, and then to add talent to the group in the form of five, ten, and uh, Anna J. Yeah, I mean, so now I'm, I'm slotted at the top, and I have a crew behind me that's going to help me do the work. I, I there was no doubts about it in my mind. So your debut didn't quite go as planned. I know you were supposed to be at the <laughs> oh, the Rochester show, which is your uh, your hometown, and uh, yeah. yeah, and then then this like shitty pandemic thing happened so obviously not uh, as planned like kind of kind of crappy but were you surprised that your debut was able to be kept mostly a secret actually yes people knew kind of in a roundabout way at least in the town of Rochester that it was probably going to happen that way but I think nationally I don't think Rochester was recognized as a place you know that is uh labeled on me outside of a hometown that's announced In, in WWE I was never announced from Rochester I wasn't allowed to be so I don't think people, you know, associated it with me, but I think there was a, a scuttlebutt in Rochester and people were ready for it. And of course, you know, serendipitous to a point, And I thought it was going to be probably the highlight of my career and uh, was oh. too good to be true. And of course <laughs> it was <laughs> it was too good to be true. <laughs> uh, I vividly, vividly remember being in LA fitness on March, I believe 11th. You guys were in Salt Lake city. Yep. So I was watching that the NBA and, President Trump had an address at the time. All three were happening at the same time. So the NBA decided to cancel their season. You guys finished your show. President Trump made an address on the, on COVID. And then five minutes after that, Tom Hanks was announced as having COVID. Right. And in my head, I was like, oh, no, it's over. It's over. Because the NBA canceled their season right away. I said, oh, my God, what's happening? So Tony reached out right away and said, look, we don't know what's happening yet. We'll know. So in the next couple of days, he said, look, we can't, we can't travel. We have to kind of bunker down, and we're going to do it in Jacksonville. He said, you're more than welcome to not do it. I understand. And I, in my head, I said, I've been cooped up for way too long. I've been in a cage. It's time to go. I want to be a professional wrestler again. So 
yeah, it didn't work out quite the way I thought it would and uh, dreamed it would up until like a week before. And then I think in the first couple months of even being in AEW, it, it, it was an odd way to get my footing and to kind of learn how to wrestle in this era because it's a different feeling. And um, I think in the last three months, I've kind of got my footing and I'm on a roll now. Yeah, there's no question you're on a roll, uh, Brody. And there's no question how big a part you are of what we do. Uh, this being the uh, one-year anniversary of Dynamite, of course, you hadn't been here the entire year, but you've been here a big chunk of it. Yep. Uh, you got any uh, favorite memories in the ring or backstage that you can tell us uh, that since you've been here? I mean, laying on top of Cody, looking into the hard cam, imagining my son looking back on the other side, knowing that I'm going to be the TNT champion and I'm going to bring that belt home to him. Uh, that's a very, very special memory. That, that Saturday night, I'll never forget it. It's something that worked out perfectly, and we, we, we filmed that before. And when we filmed it, it felt good, and it felt great. But you never know how it's going to come across on television. And then when we watched it back at home, it was my two sons and me. My wife was at work. Uh, I had tears in my eyes. It was just the culmination of so much bullshit and so much questioning myself and questioning my career and just so much anxiety over the past eight years. And it all came out watching it on TV, and, and uh, it's a, just an unbelievable experience. Oh, my God. That's so wonderful to hear. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> Let's hope you hold on to that belt for a really, really long time. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> uh, they're going to have to rip it out of my hand. They're really going to have to hurt me. I asked for this match, so it's going to be on me to perform up to a level, and uh, I think I'm ready for it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brody. This was real great. We'll thank have to you. have you on the podcast in a full-on capacity in the near future. And next time I will be stationary so i can actually stare into the camera a bit more and engage I, you guys. i don't know man you're on the road i prefer you like actually looking at the road makes me feel like safer <laughs> i gotta take care of this one. Oh, he's a cutie yeah <laughs> how, how does he how does he how does he feel about dad being a champ how, how do your sons feel about that uh this one this one couldn't give a shit uh <laughs> but the eight-year-old the, the eight-year-old sleeps with the tnt title nightly Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. That's tremendous. So every every week I leave, I make him kiss it. <laughs> that is the cutest. The exalted yeah, one, cool. man. <laughs> exalted one at home and on the road. Oh, yeah. So that, and that's, I think that's, that's the balance people don't understand, that when they see the rage and the, the, the kind of character I, I portray, I guess, that, that's, that's all me. It's just these are different parts of me. I mean, I'm, I'm a dad at home. I try to be a good human being. But when someone calls me out and gets in my face and or acts like Cody does and just disrespects my group as a whole, it pisses me off a little bit. There you go. Rightfully I'm so. with you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Brody. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, the TNT champ, Mr. Brody Lee, coming up, we'll have AEW Women's Champion, Hikaru Shida. Our celebration of the one-year anniversary on Dynamite on TNT continues here on AEW and Unrestricted. We have current women's world champion, Hikaru Shida. Hooray! Hello, Shida. Hey! Hey! Hello, hello! So, you won the <laughs> Women's Championship at Double or Nothing in an incredible match against Nyla Rose. Thank you. What was it like working with her? Ah! Just one thing I remember so clearly. When I she came from the gate, mm -hmm. I thought, oh my God, she's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't like it, but yeah, she was so cool. Yeah. That was a very physical match you had with her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, talk about that match. 
Yeah, the like more haruko match. I had haruko match. Yeah, sometimes I had haruko match in Japan. So right. Yeah, it's more. I think it's more easy for me. Okay. More than normal match. Yeah, because I have a candlestick and but. The next day was terrible. <laughs> right. So much damage right. in my body. Sure. Yeah. Who was the first person you told or talked to after you won your uh, your title? After the title match, I got so many messages, of course, from Japan too. But the first person was, I think, Emi Sakura. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. About... Please don't misunderstand it. That me that doesn't mean Emi Sakura is special for me. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> she she always watched Dynamite, and she sent me her how she think and how she feel. Always send me, and as soon as possible. So yeah, always, always, every. Every time, every show. So, yeah, she's message was the first one I got. So, and yeah, she always sent me, "You, you are so cool, great match." Yeah, so I'm so happy I get. But mm, that's why I sent back first. Yeah. So, Sheeta. Tell us about when you started wrestling and what, why you wanted to become a wrestler. I was an actress. Oh, okay. I was an actress. Yeah. And took an audition. That was a movie audition. And producer come in and stood in front of us. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, you, you have to be a professional wrestler if you debut as a professional wrestler you take part in the movie mm, wow yeah so i've never watched wrestling before but i start wrestle for the wrestling movie wow that that's really interesting story yeah so the, then you started to train right uh, how yes long did, i did how long did that take i have only I had only a month. <laughs> a month to train, okay. A month, yeah. Right. That's I know that was crazy. And yeah, right. Yeah, and I never watched before. So, at the first training, I didn't know what I do. Mm-hmm. Nothing, no. Yeah. So you've been in the states for a little bit. What's the uh, What's the thing you missed most from Japan? Don't miss. Japan. Really? Not so much. Yeah. yeah. But I really want to eat sushi ah. so bad. So <laughs> bad. <laughs> and ramen. Right. And yeah. ramen. Yeah. Ramen. <laughs> um, yeah. It's tremendous. We have a we have a place here in Alpharetta for ramen and we go a lot. Uh, you obviously have been learning English and practicing English. Uh, talk about some of the ways that you've learned and, and how you've developed your language. <laughs> Any fun my practices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite way is watch Harry Potter. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, with 
<laughs> with English subtitled too. Uh huh. Right. Makes yeah. 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 With subtitles, mm-hmm. sure. So you've uh, you've started a new YouTube channel recently, Sheeta Tube. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is really fun. <laughs> and you. I know recently you baked some cloud bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything in particular that you've really really loved about Sheeta Tube? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's just for my fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and now I'm editing new videos. Yeah, that was I just just eating donuts, <laughs> <laughs> eight flavors. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the best thing that you could do is just eating donuts. <laughs> yeah. All right, Shida, we wanted to thank you for your time. You're an incredible you. wrestler. Every match you have is absolutely wonderful. So really appreciate you having uh, having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so sorry about my bad English. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're no, absolutely no. fine. No, no. You're, you're doing, doing very, very well. And next year at this time, you. you'll be able to speak better than Aubrey. <laughs> oh, yes. 100%. Coming up, we've got AEW Tag Team Champions Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, also known as FTR. This is our celebration of the one-year anniversary of Dynamite on TNT, and we're continuing with Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, Tag Team Champions FTR. So uh, we've previously recorded an episode with them that will air on October 15th, so make sure you're listening and subscribing so you can listen to that awesome, awesome conversation we have with them. So a little weird and out of order, but wanted to make sure we included you guys for this episode because it's, I mean, it's the one-year anniversary. It's freaking sweet, man. And your yeah, champs. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad to uh, be a part of the company at such a uh, milestone. Yeah. Well, one year. Look what they uh, yeah, had. And you're 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 working with Tully Blanchard, guys. And uh, how about some stories about working with Tully? It's got to be a, obviously a big treat. Yeah, it it has been a very big treat. You know, not only because he is like a hero of ours um, and someone we've looked up to and obviously patterned ourselves after, but like they're little things. For example, I you know I talked to Cash about this actually. We had an interview with Tolly, and, I, and Tony, you might have been there. I can't remember, but we had an interview interview with with Tolly, and uh, they were the, the the interviewer asked about the um, about the gauntlet match and and our thoughts going into the gauntlet match, and you know he, the interviewer asked about our um, an advantage going last. Right. We're going to go in there. We're going to pick the bones, you know, and that that was that's the usual answer. Sure. But for Tolly, he he told the story of what a gauntlet match was and how. You know, after a few minutes, 10 minutes, maybe the wrestlers are starting to get going and they're getting warmed up. We're coming in uh, cold. We're coming in, sure. you know, that, that's the disadvantage. And so just that little piece of the interview, uh, the little piece of the promo that he told, he told a little story and gave us some adversity to overcome in that interview. Um, and just picking up a little nuances like that is a treat for us. Yeah, like normally everybody, as you said, plays up how advantageous it is to be last, but and we didn't know Tolly was going to do this because this was all on the fly. Tolly starts talking about how it's a disadvantage to us a little bit because the momentum's on whoever we're coming in against because they're they're warmed up, their their momentum is just rolling, and right. it takes a while to get. You know, when you're starting out, you're cold. You got to get rolling, and we had never thought of it that way. So just seeing how his mind works compared to everyone else's, and being able to pick his brain. Like after that, we as soon as we start rolling, we just went off to the side with Tolly and he was like, yeah, I mean, it's something that you guys should think about how to spin it to where it's not just a positive for you, that it's, it's, it's a bit of something for you guys to overcome. 
And it, that kind of knowledge is just something that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. Right. He, uh, you know, he uh, also, when I do interviews with you guys and before we start and we're always kind of talking, he's always talking to me about, remember how we did things back in the studios, TBS, remember how we, we were intense and everything. He said, we want to keep that up. So he remembers all that. And he does a great job when he looks at you, you guys know this, when he looks at you, it's like serious business. He knows what he's talking about. You can see it in his eyes. Oh yeah. yeah, and man, that's that's one thing I feel like is missing a little bit in wrestling today is the seriousness. And and he takes his business very seriously because, you know, back in the day they they drew their money and they made their money on how much they how many fans they could draw. Right. And so they didn't they didn't have time to tell jokes or they didn't want to tell jokes because they knew that or they thought that telling jokes and, and being funny wasn't the way to, to draw people in. And so sure. when the red light's on, he's ready to go and he's ready to make that money. And um, I haven't seen too many more people in the business. And I've been working for 15 years now and I've been working on national television or with a national company for uh, over eight years combined. And I haven't seen someone as, you know, I haven't seen very many people as passionate as he is. And it's easy. It could be easy for Tolly Blanchard to be jaded because of how the business treated him after 1989, but yeah. he's not, he's ready to go and he's ready to make money and he's ready to make this work. And that's what we're proud of. And we were proud of, you know, most importantly being the tag team champions. Yeah, but, there it is. Uh, there it is it's beside me always. Uh, and we're very proud of that and to represent the, the division, but we're even more proud that we get to do it beside Tully Blanchard um, and have his knowledge. So a little bit on that. You are the, the current champs. So, Cash, like, what does being the AEW tag team champion mean to you? Everything we've ever said, like, whether it's on screen, on social media, when it comes to being the champions, we mean, like, it, it is the be-all, end-all for us. Because at the end of the day, if you're the champion, you make more money. You're in higher-profile matches. You're, in, you're, you're the focus. You're the focal point of most storylines. And the show is going to revolve around the champions almost always. And man like that's something we we want we want to be like the access that everything can revolve around we want to be the guys that can go in there with any team and raise their profile at the same time as that we're raising ours and raising AEW's so man we 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 don't as much as we like to be sarcastic and joke around and be assholes when it comes to being champions like that's that's really Very what serious. we want yeah because we want to submit our legacy we want to go down as guys like Arn and Tolly, guys like the Rock and Roll Express, guys like Midnight Express. We want to be remembered not two years from now, but 20 years from now. And if if we don't take it serious and we, it doesn't mean a lot to us and we just kind of take it as like a prop, then this is all for nothing. Yeah, and I feel like being the AEW Tag Team Champions is probably the milestone of our career and probably the most important victory of our career. Um, only because we we did we bet on ourselves and we want to make tag team wrestling mean something and we want to make a championship and make the division revolve around a championship. I feel like sometimes championships and the belts get watered down and muddied, you know. But uh, we want to make this championship mean something. That's why we come up with the twenty minute brush of greatness so we can have matches on television. Uh, and now uh, we make the championship mean something by making the rules. And, and building the rules for ourselves. 20-minute time limit, you get to see a championship defended on TV, you know, on a weekly basis, but you only got 20 minutes to do it. So it makes the, the championships even more important. I, I want to throw this question out here, and Cash, you can start, and Dax, I want to hear from you too as well. Listen to you talk here, 
and also listening to you talk when we have a chance to visit backstage or we do interviews, you very much respect the old school part of the business and love the old school part of the business. And how did that come about in, in your careers? Because not, uh, not a lot of people have that. Some do, and we do have enough. We have plenty in, in our company that does, but uh, how did the love of the old school of the business come with you guys? Man, we're, we're at that perfect age where we kind of, we were coming up, we were growing up and becoming fans during what most people consider the golden age of wrestling. Like, it was the golden standard, pretty much. And, you know, we got to see all these guys. We got to listen to you call the action. We got to watch Arn and Tolly and Sting and Flair and all these guys who have been doing this for 20, 30 years plus at the top, the very top of the game. And, you know, we're from the Mid-Atlantic. And that's what we were raised on. And I mean, I was watching WCW when the, the cruiserweights were coming in and the, they, they always amazed me and I was always blown away by their athleticism. But what always drew me in was the stories and the guys that made me believe what they were doing in that ring was 100% real and legit and they were fighting for their livelihoods. So, uh, yeah, man, professional wrestling is is everything to us. Before I met my wife and then before we had our daughter, it was my love. It was my ultimate love. Uh, it did so much for me when I was a kid, kept me out of trouble and like allowed me to stay on the right, the right course throughout life. And I owe so much, both of us, I could speak for both of us. We both owe so much to professional wrestling. And that's why we decided ultimately to come to AEW because we could have stayed where we were and we could have made great money but we wouldn't have done anything good for professional wrestling. And here in AEW, we have the opportunity to do something good for professional wrestling. And uh, that's our goal. And that's why we want to be the tag team champions. And, you know, going from for the old school stuff, I think that's just what we grew up on. And that's what we love. And we also saw guys like Arn and Bobby Eaton, um, you know, Barry Windham, Flair, all these guys who are so unselfish in the ring. And that's what we that's what we want to do. We want to be completely unselfish in the ring and take the guys that we're working with, whether it's a private party or Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Boy or TH2. We want to take these guys, elevate their game, because as much as if we can elevate their game, our stock rises within and then AEW stock as a whole rises. And that's what we want to do. We want to make we want to make our own impact. But at the same time, we want to make our own impact within AEW's impact. So making your own impact in AEW, I think a lot of us share that same goal and whatnot, like wanting to give back to wrestling and leave it in a better state than it was when we got here type thing. You've had incredible matches Thanks. so far, and I'm sure it's it's the start of many with us. But is there any particular match that stands out to you guys as a particular favorite or very memorable in, in any sort of way? Man, uh Obviously, winning the tag team championships was very emotional to us. We couldn't get emotional when it happened because uh, the humidity and the heat and going 35 minutes, I, I don't know how I survived. It took me. I don't either. It took me four days to get over that match. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that's no exaggeration. Like, I, we were sitting in the hotel and I just could not move for <laughs> three or four days. But once myself and Cash got back to our hotel, he bought a six pack of Blue Moon and we shared that and we it was very emotional for us to we, because we got to sit there and talk and say, man, we made it. We, we did it on our own. And so that match with uh hangman and uh, Kenny Omega, that was uh, a, a very emotional one, but also the, uh, the match, I think a, a couple uh the match with butcher and blade, because those guys before, uh, before we got here, 
they were great talents. They still are great talents, but they hadn't found their footing yet. And then we had that match with those guys, and I think it showed the audience what they could actually do. And now they're on TV yeah. on a weekly basis. So I'm very, very proud of that. I'm very proud of the uh, most recent match we had with um, with SCU oh. uh, because we put it all out there. Thank you for that. But maybe overall, uh, Jurassic Express. Mm. Because regardless how they feel about us, backstage regardless how they feel about our our style backstage um i said it in an interview and i meant it we were going to make people care about them they know that i didn't care if they cared about their athleticism and the cool moves they could do but we're going to make them even just for that one moment that 15 minute moment we were going to make people the audience care about them and i feel like from the response we got from twitter uh people actually cared about them as they understood that luchasaurus was the big buddy the big brother and they understood that jack perry was this good looking baby face who they could feel for and that's what we wanted to make them feel so fun st- side story to that i always talk to jb before his matches because I'm, I'm the one that ties his gauntlets on and i asked him like dude how you feeling he goes uh i'm nervous i don't think i've been this nervous for a match in a long time just because like what you guys mean to tag team wrestling and like hearing stories from other people like i know that working with you has made me a better referee especially in tag team matches so then i talked to him after i'm like how was it and he goes dude they're so fast like (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't ready for that oh my god and you just see like his eyes going just like replaying this match in his head and he just had this like wonderful excitement on his face so it's great to have like the twitter response everyone loved the match but to see like people in the match having yeah. a positive response to it as well is just always so so wonderful and then you know and then also i don't mean to take over but also like getting a text message from arn anderson that nice you know and telling me how great it like i'm getting emotional thinking about it right now but how oh. great the tag team match was and how we did a favor for jungle boy because we made the people give a shit about it basically and Things like that are, are things I'll never forget. And this, that's the things that I, I live this business for. You guys have improved. Are you with us, Cash? I think his headphones are out. I can talk enough for the both of us. Yeah, you can talk enough for the both of you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, Cash, uh, you can just uh, sit there and look pretty because we know that uh, you're here, but we can't we can't hear you. Let me try this again. Yay, there you go. There we go. <laughs> okay. So pick up on what Dax was saying. It's hard for me to choose a favorite match that we've had so far because I feel like every match we've had, like we've kind of got our footing a little bit more. It's it's a obviously we made a big jump coming over to AEW and we didn't really know a lot of the the tag teams. We haven't ever worked with any of them before. We, so every time we've stepped in the ring with any of these teams, it's been the first, and that's that's different because normally you know like we would do live events and we'd get some some reps with guys and kind of get a, a feel for the chemistry and how to work around like their style and we never had that opportunity here but like like Dak said working with Butcher and Blade I felt like we were able to like help them figure out their style and it also helped us out and then every time we've stepped in the ring since then especially since we've gotten with Tolly I feel like we were just now hitting our stride really and so like like you said the Jurassic Express match might have been my favorite but I really enjoyed the private party match too and then yeah then this SCU match I, I mean the SCU matches probably my favorite right now just because i loved that the pace we all kept and like yeah the intricacies and like the teamwork and we st- we all we didn't compromise either of our styles we, we stayed true to who we all like all four are and i just really enjoyed like how it flowed 
Well, guys, thanks, man. Uh, there's no question that what you've meant to AEW since arriving, what you meant to the tag team scene, uh, not only uh, backstage, but uh, on camera as well. And thanks for your time and congratulations on being our champs. Hey, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's this is a huge milestone, and I can't wait to see what AEW does in year two and year three because what they've done so far is legitimately like mind blowing. So I'm excited to be a part of this and help build it. We couldn't do it without you guys. Ah, thank you Always. guys. All right, so we've chatted with FTR, we've chatted with Hikaru Shida, and we've chatted with Brody Lee. We can't really celebrate Dynamite's one-year anniversary without talking to world champion John Moxley. This is AEW Unrestricted. AEW Dynamite celebrating one year on TNT, and we got current world champion John Moxley returning for another edition here of Unrestricted. Uh, John Moxley beat Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship of Revolution, the last pay-per-view before the pandemic hit. John, appreciate your time, buddy. Give us some memories of that night at Revolution in that match, some things that stick out in your mind, besides obviously winning the title. It's crazy that that was only like in February, man. It seems like a million years ago, I was like in a sea of people, like all touching each other and everything in the world is just like, completely changed but uh that's uh that's a weird part it's so different but uh i'm driving i apologize right now i'm gonna try to park somewhere yeah it was just a it was just a good day i just had confidence going in the whole day just felt good about everything uh my wife was there my mom happened to be there because back then people could like get together and stuff back then so yeah uh <laughs> some friends of mine were there it was just a good uh just a good positive day all around. It like just kind of came in feeling like I was already the world champion at the beginning of the day. I just had all this momentum behind me and the fans behind me and just felt good about everything. And it's just about going out there and uh, executing. And uh, I mean, to be at the last match of a AEW pay-per-view is always going to be a challenge too because there's, there's just so many amazing wrestlers and blow-away matches on every single one of our shows. And uh, – me and Chris kind of had that big fight atmosphere, like a big boxing pay-per-view or something is what we were trying to achieve. And with the choir and everything, he came out with the choir, sang Judas and everything. It just felt like a big, felt like a big moment, you know, and uh, like a big sports moment. And, uh, you know, it was just all positivity all around. It was just a great night. And then everything went to shit. <laughs> literally like two weeks later no so i won the title on a saturday that wednesday a couple of days later we're in denver in front of people still and the very next week was when it got all everything went to hell yeah, yeah. i've only appeared in front of actual fans like as champion one time except yeah. for the uh, the limited amount of fans we're finally allowed to have in daily's place now i forgot that that was even a thing because you, you don't even know it because it's not a packed building. So, like, there's, you know, staff and we got the wrestlers out there, too. So, it's like I didn't even notice it at first that we had fans in the building. I forgot that uh, we were going to have, like, five, 600 people or whatever in the building. I think I was coming out for the contract signing with uh, MJF. And I walked out and I heard, like, ah! And I looked up and people and I see people with signs and everything and I got pumped up. I was like, oh, that's why we got fans back in the building. I got like <laughs> an extra pep in my step. And then like we we're doing this uh contract signing and verbalizing back and forth and you know, then I 
I had to take into account. I was like, oh, we got to like pause and they're going to chant stuff and they're going to cheer and boo and everything. And I was like, oh, man, this feels great. Like, this is how it used to be. But, uh, you know, hopefully be able to keep doing that safely and get a little more and a little more and a little more people in. And then one of these days, you know, have full arenas again, but uh, who knows when that's ever going to be. So I'm just uh, leaning into like this run. Just I, I happen to be the guy that is kind of tasked with carrying the torch during uh, at least the early part of a pandemic. Hopefully it's uh, over sooner and later. And, I, you know, it just it is what it is, you know, And uh, but it's a good I'm a guy that can, you know, send a message of, uh, you know, I get beat up and everything all the time and I got to overcome all these challenges. So, you know, I can send a message of, uh, you know, every time you get not, I mean, it's cheesy, but you know, you get knocked down pick yourself back up and so forth. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell this pandemic because if I do it, you know, people are watching me looking for a distraction and so forth and they get to watch AEW dynamite and, you know, escape their problems for a, a night or whatever. So I'm not selling this pandemic. I'm going to, just uh, keep trucking on in the face of adversity, you know? Sure. It's got to be tough to uh, to try to get yourself uh, intense and get the excitement when you have, you know, few people. I mean, you had that uh, against uh, Jake Hager. You had that uh, empty arena match. That that had to be uh, – that's, that's kind of tough, you know, getting yourself motivated, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you got to really put yourself in the mindset that, like, this is a uh, – when there's literally no people in the building, it's kind of an eerie feeling. It's like – you have to put yourself in the mindset that you're truly fighting for your life and make it real to you. And if it's real to you, it'll come off as real to people, you know, but we're able to, we're able to find create an atmosphere that, uh, you know, comes off nice on TV with the wrestlers and staff in the crowd and everything and able to do it safe. It's, uh, we've been able to really, I think, you know, we're going to look back at this time. Like you're not, you're not going to look back at like, Oh, John Moxley's title reign maybe first of many, maybe the only one, whatever it is. You're not going to look back at this particular title reign. It's like, oh, that was a golden age of AEW. Back when, you know, they were selling out buildings and it was all great. No, you're going to look back at it like, oh, yeah, that was like during the weird pandemic era where they couldn't tour or they couldn't put people in buildings and so forth. But I think it's just a testament to the perseverance of AEW and the uh, craftiness of everybody, production, staff, Tony Khan, you know, everybody that – uh figured out a way to keep this going and doing this safely and effectively. And we've been having great shows and, you know, people enjoy them on, on people enjoy dynamite and look forward to it every week. So it's a testament to kind of our survival. So I think we'll look back at this time as like we survived this and only got better, you know, cause if it hit the fan and we couldn't run shows and AW a year into existence, right after we signed this big TV deal and everything was going good and we're selling out buildings and so forth. If all of a sudden AEW went in the toilet because of something, you know, that nobody could control, it would be, like, the worst thing for the industry because AEW's existence is just so good for the entire industry, for fans, for wrestlers, you know. So sure. that we were able no to keep it going is just, thank God that we were able to keep this going. So you've had some pretty incredible matches at AEW, both title matches and non-title matches. Is there any particular moment that sticks out to you? Yeah, it's hard to, you know, I don't want to pick one over the other. I mean, just to talk more recently, uh, uh, I really enjoyed the match with MJF I had, the match with Darby Allen I had. They're both really good uh, 
really good stories and kind of I had a kind of the picture painted in my head well in advance and was able to execute pretty much exactly as, as I was uh, as I visualized it in my head and it's an incredibly gratifying feeling when you can uh, go out there and tell that story and to work with like these young hungry motivated guys who have these new ideas and both so talented dudes who are going to be big stars long long after I'm gone and in the and I'm in a wheelchair so yeah, that was uh, both those matches pretty cool it was freaking hot that night of uh, the uh, pay-per-view whatever the pay-per-view yeah. was all out we're in the same building every show, so like I can't remember which show was which, which was the TV, which was the pay per view. What was that pay per view called? Like it's all running together, but it was uh, right. all out. It was hot that night. Mm-hmm. I know you were wrestling, so you were probably sweating through your ref shirt like everybody else. Like, yeah, I'm wearing full pants and a shirt, unlike a lot of these guys who are just wearing trunks. Yeah, just from walking around during the day and walking on ringside, walking back and forth to like my trailer thing. I, I sweat through like four shirts that day. Oof. I was just chugging water all day. I was like, it's going to be so hot out there. I was hoping it was going to cool down. So then I had to walk to the top of the steps because they had me, for this particular night, they had me come out of the top of the stadium of all nights. We look really cool. But so I'm like, I walk up these stairs. By the time I get to the top of the stairs, I'm in a, I'm in a full sweat. I'm just dripping fluid. I'm like, am I going to like pass out before this match even starts? I have to walk up all these steps. So I just was just like pouring body fluid, but everybody was, I'm sure. Anybody who was out there for more than 30 seconds, that, that was a hot night. It's cooling down really quickly, though. This past week wasn't very hot. It was, I mean, it was hot, but not that bad. So credit to all the men and women and referees at AEW that have suffered through this Jacksonville summer because it's, uh, it's not easy. Has there been one idea that you've come up with that uh... – and I know one of the great things about AEW is they let you be creative and let you do your own thing, which is, I mean, we can see it in the wrestlers. You're your own person. Is there one thing you've been excited to bring to the table and execute at AEW? Uh, yeah, like, uh, I mean, for me, it's, like, real simple. I don't have any off-the-wall ideas, really. I, I just like simple, basic pro wrestling storytelling that uh, that people can understand. and Right. And get into, you know, like the whole little uh, mini story with uh, Darby was an idea I had. Actually, I remember talking to Tony about it because that would have happened probably months earlier as this kind of a bridge little thing. Talking to him in Denver at the hotel after the show in Denver, which is the last time we had an actual arena full of fans. That's how long ago that was. But uh, just the whole thing of like get it, get the big false finish because – MJF attempts to screw me over in that whole thing to kind of like ele- kind of elevate two guys at once and put them more in the spotlight. But that all right. worked out really good. And uh, yeah, every it's got everybody just brings their ideas to the table. It's a real collaborative effort. You just uh, it's just fun, man. Just yeah. the stuff's fun, you know. Making it all fun again. There's no question. Okay, now uh, Ren- Renee has a cookbook. She's been working on a cookbook. How much have you benefited on her recipes? Well, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Like, it's been months and months and months of, uh, at first it was cool because she's cooking all these different recipes and I'm kind of the guinea pig. I have to try them all out. But then it gets to where, like, she's just cooking all day and writing all day. And there's just 
food everywhere all the time. I mean, and you can't eat all of it because if she makes 30 recipes she's experimenting with, we're trying to give it away to people. It's, I tried, but uh, I'm glad it's over because this is a lot of work. Uh, like the day we filmed, so she had to do a photo shoot for it, which is a whole thing. So it's three days. I got all these women in my house. She's got a food stylist that like makes the food look all delicious for pictures. So mm-hmm. like fluff the cheese and so forth and <laughs> use fake ice cubes and drinks, which I kind of fought for. I was like, oh, that's genius, fake ice cubes. <laughs> but uh, so there's all this food in the house. I can't eat any of it. I get yelled at. I got, I came up, they had, she had these cinnamon rolls on the counter. And I just, I just wanted to kind of smell them or get close to them or experience their essence. You know, I wasn't trying to get one because I hadn't took pictures of it yet. Right? I got within two feet of these cinnamon rolls. I got, sir, 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 we have the door. I'm like, I'm getting sir in my own home. <laughs> I, got, I got hit with a sir in my own home by this food stylist lady. I'm like, I was just smelling. That's all I was doing. But uh, I got to write the uh, the little blurb for the uh, – she does a recreation of Cincinnati-style chili. Ooh. Skyline chili, if you know. Skyline chili, yeah. You know what that is. Or, uh, I do. Out the Cincinnati area. It's, uh, it's what I basically grew up on. It's fantastic. It's uh, like real th- – it, almost like a Mediterranean meat sauce. It's not like chili in the traditional sense like you would think. But you put it on right. – here and like cheese conies fluff up the cheese it's uh probably no nutritional value whatsoever but but delicious nonetheless sometimes you're not looking for nutritional value in your food sometimes you just want to enjoy it yeah yeah so i think a lot of people are really enjoy a lot of her uh a lot of her recipes when that comes out. So I'm excited for that. Well, thank you, John. It was great to have you back on the show. It's been a while since we uh, last chatted. Also want to thank all of the champions who are on the show today. Brody, FTR, Sheeta. Please, please come join us as we celebrate AEW Dynamite's one-year anniversary on TNT on Wednesday, October 14th at 8 p.m. 7 Central. We really did it. We did uh, it! Yeah, how about that? Sounds, man. But uh, from where this started in preliminary conversations... That, you know, I was having at my kitchen table before any of this was reality. And I'm like, is this really going to be real? Are we really going to be on TNT? And it all became reality. And through the ups and downs and the challenges, you know, as a team, everybody backstage in the truck, in the ring, all come together and made this happen. And now we've been here one year and it's just going to be more and more and more years. We'll come back on here and do this hopefully in the 10 year anniversary. Oh, hell yeah. I'd love to, buddy. I'd love to. And thanks for being a part of this. It's great having you as our champ. I can tell you that honestly. Mm-hmm. It really is, man. Well, I appreciate that. I try. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's what's important. You need to try. More people need to try in the world. So there you go. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the AEW Unrestricted Podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. And watch the video version of this podcast on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. I'm Tony Schiavone and... I'm Aubrey Edwards. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys.